G'day and welcome to Property Australia's favourite obsession. My name's Jeremy Cowan and this is a podcast where we get to discuss all things property. And today's guest has some very important lessons for us. Some lessons that some of us will be a little bit reluctant to accept, but these lessons I can assure you are of the utmost importance for all investors. See, today's guest is Dr. Jules Wilcox. He's an emergency physician and director of pre-vocational education and training at Gosford Hospital. He's an executive coach and has a particular interest in financial well-being. And what Jules can attest to is that having a higher level of income does not guarantee wealth and that money and happiness are not related. Now, understanding these concepts can have a profound impact on the quality of life that you live. Because as Jules will tell us, to achieve wealth and happiness, you need to be able to articulate your goals that must be in line with your own principles and values. You've got to be able to control your cash flow. You must give yourself some time and be prepared for some delayed gratification and ensure you get educated. Now, although this discussion is centered around the medical profession, it's based upon principles that are relevant to us all. And do not think that earning more income will be your golden ticket to wealth because even the most highly paid workers in our community need to control their cash flow, just like you and I. So I hope this episode inspires you to do a little soul searching and goal setting because it could be the difference between living the life you want or not. So Jules Wilcox, welcome to Property, Australia's favourite obsession. Uh, Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, Good to chat to you again. I'm very excited with this one, Jules. Um, So I wanted to start with the idea that when we, um, you know, society sets it up that that we need to go to school, we need to get a good job, um, and you'd have to say that you have exceeded exceptionally well in this area. You studied hard at school, um, went to university, to medical school, etc., um, and you've now landed professionally in the top echelon um, of both your profession and also, of course, um, as a and the top echelon of income earners. I've got to ask you, Jules, what's the relationship from your perspective between income and wealth? Okay. Um, they're different, I think. Um, different to me. Uh, I, As you know, I often do talks to some of my juniors about, about this. Um, I mean, I know you said that I sort of got to the top of this and that and everything. I haven't followed the traditional route all the way. I ended up taking time off here. I took time off from medical school. I um, wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do at one stage. Ended up coming to Australia, living in Byron in the 90s um, for a little bit. Wish I'd bought a house there then, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Instead, you bought a surfboard? <laughs> I did buy a surfboard and I had to live off magic noodles and cornflakes for six weeks because I had no other money. Um, one good. of the best times of my life, to be honest. It's good being a budding uh, real estate I've, I've never eaten... I was hey. going to say it's good being a budding um, real estate tycoon, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I've never eaten two minute noodles since, um, <laughs> but but I guess, I guess that's in a way t- ties into what you're saying. So that's one of the happiest times of my life. I had no money at all, mm. <laughs> so mm. uh, that was really good. But uh, you know, and through my my career, I, I took quite a long time to get to where I was going. But it's a very long career, um, so there's plenty of time to do that. Uh, and another thing I will say to my juniors: don't rush. You know, yep. take your time, work work out what it is that you want to do and how you do it. Because medicine's a huge 
subject. There's a niche in there for everybody and there's lots of different ways of doing things. So you can find something that you enjoy and makes you happy within, you know, I'm an emergency physician, but I spend a lot of time teaching and coaching and doing stuff like that. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, but that was never on the cards, you know, when I was, when I was younger, thinking about that. So, um, but for me, wealth is time, actually. Uh, time for me is more valuable than money because I'm so time poor. Mm. Um, you know, like I said, I'm in a top income bracket. Yep. Uh, and you can always spend more money, um, but you can't get more time. So I think it's uh, really important. And for me, having more money and, you know, investing and achieving my goals through my investments and things, it's all geared around giving me more time and structuring my life so that I can spend more time doing what I want to do and less time doing what I don't want to do. Uh, some, some of that's personal psychological learning to say no to things and, and so forth. But, um, yeah, it's a bit, uh, and again, I, I think this is, this is a, a key thing for people to get their heads around that money doesn't buy you happiness and there's abundant studies to show you that and you know in the u.s it's if it's seventy thousand seventy five thousand u.s dollars a year if you got more than that you're actually no happier um in australia it's about a hundred thousand yeah uh which is you know obviously with the exchange rate um it's, it's fairly similar um yeah and there's huge amounts of studies and you think about the number of people that um you see who are, have a lot of money um or fame and other things and they're not happy yeah. Um, so, but there so, also can be quite a difference between having, like you know, having wealth and having income as well, can't they, Jules? I mean, often we see yeah, totally. like the, the, it's it's staggering for most people to 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 accept that the people who have the biggest um, money crisis and and lack of money are those typically who earn the most. Um, that the more you yeah. earn, the, the, the bigger the money crisis, the bigger the packed problems you have. And, um, you know, that leads to all sorts of other problems, which we'll get into later on. But that idea that, you know, money or, or income doesn't equal wealth, they're, they're two, you know, really mutually exclusive uh, things, aren't they? Yeah. And I think, I think again, it goes back to um, sort of really reflecting a lot on your goals and, uh, what's important to you, uh, and structuring your investments uh, and stuff around that, because you can always buy a bigger car, a bigger house, the bigger boat, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but does it make you happy? No, it doesn't. I mean, you know, if you get that car, then yeah, it's great at the time, but then it starts to wear off, and then what do you do? And then you have to. And if you keep chasing that material gratification, it it, it doesn't work, and it ends. And that's what a lot of people and society wants you to do that. So it's consumerism, and people make money off it. So no one's going to tell you to stop doing that. So Jules, um, with that, they don't, well, with, with those things that you've just mentioned there, you know, buy a bigger car, a bigger house, um, you know, go on a longer holiday, and that sort of stuff. I mean, they're all very uh, material things. They're not um, they're not investments. They're uh, they're they're consumables. Um, so, you know, could we draw the conclusion or, or, or could we make the statement that, um, you know, having more income um, just means you spend more money, but those things aren't necessarily connected to wealth, that, you know, having a having yeah. another boat yeah. isn't – but can we then take it a step further and say, well, money might not buy you happiness, but being wealthy does buy you happiness because it can buy you time and freedom? Yeah, I think so. Because then you can then you can do the things that you really want to do. You get off that um, hedonic treadmill of running to try and get more money to buy more stuff, 
uh, and you actually have money coming that allows you to chase your dreams, do you know, follow your passions, or and, and things like that, or just you know have time with family, whatever it is you want. But the other, I think the crucial thing is it's individual for everybody. So you need to sit down if you're thinking about uh, you know investments and things. You need to work down what you, what are your goals? What is it that you want? It's going to be different for different people. And once you've worked that out, uh, then you can work out how much money you need to do that. Then you can structure investments um, and the time frame over them. You know, I'm 52. If I if I, you know, was to come up with my goals and things, and that by 55 I needed three million dollars to achieve those, well, it's probably pretty unrealistic. But I'm going to have to take on an enormous amount of risk to get to that point. Whereas if I work it out, you know, when I'm younger, when I've got more time, or I say, well, actually, I am. I quite enjoy my job, so I'll, you know, I'll keep working till I'm 65. That changes the risk reward um, mm. equation massively. It changes what asset classes you can do. Um, you know, this is obviously about property. So, property it needs time. You can't yeah. you can't just get there quickly. And I think people yeah. are always looking for that quick get rich quick scheme or the, that anything that's good. You got to work at it. You've got to spend a bit of time um, looking at yourself and your goals and your values and things. Is quite confronting at times. Uh, a lot of people don't want to do that, but it's so so. Everything stems from that. Otherwise, you're just ending up chasing something because what well, somebody else told you to, really, um, and it's not likely to make you happy. Um, so you know, and some people don't want to have lots of time reflecting and doing this or you know spending. They want to get out, work, and be busy. And it, it's individual, but you've got to work out what it is. Um, and it's not money per se. Well, wealth is a different thing. You can certainly use money uh, as a vehicle to allow you to be wealthy. Um, I'm not suggesting you've got to become a monk or anything like that. There's nothing wrong with having lots of money, but just be aware of why you've got it, what you're doing with it, and, and things. You know, that way you're more likely to enjoy it. Uh, it's more likely to be sustained. Because one of the big things I think is, you know, you work hard and you want to pass it on to your kids. Yeah. And how do you stop them from squandering it? Mm. And how do you stop their kids from squandering it? You know, a lot of family income, family wealth only lasts about three generations. You've got the person who started off poor, works really hard and builds something up. Their children um, learn those values, but the grandchildren don't because they've always had it nice and easy. And so then they go out and squander it or get you know, hooked on drugs or whatever. So it's very hard to do that, I think. Um, and you don't do it just by making money or just by learning to trade the share market or to buy property or what you did. It's a lot more than that. And I think it's often a bit glossed over. People want the share tip, you know, I get so many people come up to me and say, Oh, Hey, I mean, there's a guy, hey, say, oh, so I wanted to get a, open a broker. Which one do you recommend? I said, well, what are you, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, what are you trading? Yeah. And he says, oh, oh, I'm not sure. I said, well, you know, you're trading metals, you're trading futures, you're trading currencies or stocks. And I go, yeah, stocks. Okay, Australian ones, international ones, mm. uh, US. Yeah. Uh, what? What? Oh, 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 probably Australian. Okay. So uh, we're doing well, a what position? What's your criteria? Yeah. Yeah. He had no idea. What's the exit criteria? No idea. Oh, but hey, what do you think? What about what about this one? I was like, I, I, I just don't trade. You're just going to lose money. You're better better off going down and and playing um, roulette because you know the house odds are you know or blackjack house odds are less than one percent. You know, so, so you know, take take your money down there. But the people don't want that. They just they want a quick tip and they make it easy and all that sort of stuff. Anything that's worthwhile requires a bit of work um, and a bit of time um, and so forth. And, the and certainly a lot of education really as well, doesn't it? I mean, e- education yeah, and, that, and, and mindset are, are so important with with this stuff. 
They are. And, and, and the problem with the financial industry, as you are well, well aware, um, is that there's a conflict of interest there generally in that the people trying to sell you stuff and give you advice are trying to make money out of you. Yeah, And so it's really hard to find the people that you can trust who are, who are there for the same reason you are, which is to grow your wealth. Um, and sure, they can make some money off it too. That's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with you. You need to you know, pay, you pay for your expertise or your education. That's fine. Yeah. But um, you've got to try it. And that, that's, that's, I think that's the trouble with the financial industry. Um, and they, they, they perpetuate a lot of the myths and things as well because, you know, all those people giving newsletters for tips or Wall Street tips and, and this and that because they want people, 97% of traders lose money. Yeah. Uh, if it was easy, they wouldn't make it easy for you to open a trading account. You know, if it was that easy to make money, you'd have to work for the banks, you know, but they know that 97% of people are going to lose money and they will be the 3% on the other side of that trade. That's exactly um, right, and that's for us. You know, part of the reason that um, you know that, that we're doing this podcast is to making sure that um, you know we can we can help educate people. That the, the better educated yeah. you are, then the better the decisions you can make, and and the more mentally prepared you are to um, you know to handle, grow, um, and continue to hold um, you know wealth. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, you know, in those in those talks that you give, and you know, I'm obviously I'm, for people listening, you know, you guys came up and talked to a load of my juniors um, because I you know, I trust you, and uh, I know that your your values and your um, meaning behind what you're doing, and I know that you're not going to be trying to rip them off, so I'll, you know, let you in to come and talk to them. But I wouldn't let most companies come in um, because I don't know, and that's why we've ended up doing this this podcast thing. But Thanks for the vote of that, confidence, one of Jules. <laughs> in, in that, uh, yeah, you can pay me later. Um, <laughs> it, but in that talk, one of the things you said, you know, you've got to, confl- got to control your cash flow mm. um, because if you don't do that, I mean, that's basics. You know, before you even start, you've got to, got to con- I mean, control your cash flow. A friend of mine um, was also my accountant, and he only deals with doctors. And he says, you know, he sees people like you were saying earlier, who you know they've been you know, specialists for a long time with a big private practice and they earn a lot of money. And yet- When we're talking, when we say a lot, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're not talking, you know, $200,000. We're talking talking, a million a year. Yeah, we're talking serious money. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking, you know, well over a million a year. And they they have almost nothing to show for it because they either- have made very bad investments because they haven't been educated. And, you know, the doctors are a very high risk group for scams and things because we're really time poor. Yeah. 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 And it's well outside. We're not taught anything about financial mm. stuff at all. Mm. Um, and so we are a very target rich environment because we have a lot of money. We have very little time and we have almost no knowledge about it. Um, and it's, often put into the too hard basket because we have, you know, we're, we're working hard. We've got an awful lot of knowledge that we need to um, acquire in the first sort of 10 years of our career. So we are studying and studying and studying. Um, and it's hard to have the time to, to do that. I only got in really involved in this after I became a consultant because I don't really have the time beforehand. And know? this is a really interesting point, I guess, that uh, I want people to really, you know, ponder on is the fact that, you know, we're talking, um, you know, about the, 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 the the pinnacle of the medical fraternity here that you know very it's not a it's not an intellect based thing as to why these um, you know doctors aren't absolutely loaded uh, it's not an income thing 
Um, you know, they earn plenty of money, so it's not an income-based thing. So, you know, there has to be something else. And w- what you said with regards to controlling your cash flow um, and knowing what your, your your goals and objectives are, I mean, it just it makes an absolutely, you know, it, it's the difference between having or not creating wealth, isn't it? Oh, totally, totally. Um, and it's, I mean... <laughs> Because if you look at society today, if you, you know, to be successful, what do you have to be? You know, if you're going to be the richest person, well, that, you know, you can only, that means there can only be one successful person. And you'd be a billionaire. Well, okay, that makes it a little bit bigger, but it's not that realistic for most of us. A millionaire, well, that's pretty good for a lot of people. Um, yep. You know, most people could probably probably get there, to be honest. Yes. Um, but if you think about what's really important to you, you can define success in multiple different ways. Mm. And then if you do that, you don't feel you have to keep striving for this, that, and the other, and you can focus what's important. Um, you don't need to, uh, you don't need lots and lots of money per se, because as we say, money doesn't buy happiness. Um, and you can do things that matter to you and that value. And you have, you know, purpose is so important. If you look at the studies on uh, people who don't have a purpose in life, the, it's extremely bad for you extremely bad for you as in you die early <laughs> bad for you um a bit like loneliness yeah. so it's really important to find out to find something that y- you feel passionate about that gives you some purpose and then structure your life around letting you do that and i'm really fortunate in that my job um allows me to do that now there are aspects of my job that i don't like um you know it's, what is it, australia day today and i'm on call tonight and i'm going to be at work until probably two or three in the morning uh maybe later maybe not um yeah. i'm going to get very little sleep i should know it's going to be incredibly busy and that's going to be now that i'm getting older you know when i was younger i just used to go surfing the following day have a couple of beers and we carry on now i'm screwed for a couple of days and i realize it's not healthy so i want to get rid of that aspect of the thing so I can have a bit more routine and get a bit more sleep and things and focus on some of the teaching and passing on some of my experience and things. My investments are, are being geared around allowing me to continue to work because I really enjoy my work, but on my terms. And I'm very comfortable with that. But it took me about six months to work out exactly how I wanted to do that. Um, you know, I think... It was it was an interesting process, and I don't know. I might go through it just briefly, yeah, just in case anybody else is sort of wanting to to think about it. But I was thinking about cutting down my hours so that I could um, spend a bit more time with family, a bit more time uh, looking at trading and uh, and things and other other bits and pieces. And I I wrote down sort of I was I was really struggling. Something didn't feel right, and I really wasn't feeling comfortable. I wasn't sure that this was a good idea. So I did what was called a parts negotiation. Um, and the theory behind it is that we're all made up of different parts, which we've created over the years, or even other people have created in their parents and uh, people have created for us. So, you know, if you look at me, I'm a husband and I'm a father and I'm a doctor, um, you know, poker player and do lots of other different things. There's a part of me that likes excitement. There's a part of me that, um, you know, doesn't. It's quite risk averse. And all these parts that we've created over the years from our experiences, and they're all different for everybody, they um, they come together to sort of make make the whole. But these parts all have your be- their best intention for you. Um, and if you start neglecting a part, it will start to fire up. And if you don't listen, it will keep firing up uh, until it makes you listen. And this is why I think a lot of people would blow up trading accounts and stuff like that because um, they don't listen to whatever it is that's trying to trying to get their attention. And it turned out 
after a little while, sort of reflecting and thinking. Because when I wrote out, you know, about cutting down my hours, it was abundantly clear that this was going to be a good idea for pretty much all of me. Um, yeah. yeah. And yet the doctor identity part of me, which is a big part, because I spent, you know, 30 years trying to become uh, the best emergency physician that I can and put lots of time and effort into it. Um, this part was really firing up. Basically, mm. in, in medicine, you know, if you – it will suck your soul if you're not careful. It's a very, it can be um, a very detrimental career in some senses if you if you don't have a bit of balance there because it will always take more. It's always busy. There's always more stuff to do. Um, and we're all kind of type A and driven a little bit as well. So there's this sort of thing about, are oh, you, if you, if you cut down a bit, then you're, you're kind of selling out. You're not, you're not really doing enough. You haven't cut it. And I, you know, I said uh, some people at work were very against me cutting down my hours. Um, yeah. Right. But that's partly, I think also because, you know, I give good value to the department. So they didn't want to watch around. Value. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when I was sort of reflecting on this, it was quite clear that this doctor identity part of me was really firing up going, can't cut down your hours. It's going to be really bad. You won't be able to cut it. You won't be this yeah. and that and everything. Yeah. And so I had a conflict going on inside me, which I which I was acutely aware of. And what do I do? And so you know, I was thinking about this a lot, and I was going through all my points of pros and cons. And it's like, well, you know, if I was to cut down my hours, then I won't be so tired. I was definitely getting a bit burnt out at this stage, and I was a, um, a bit cynical at times. Wasn't enjoying going into work so much. I'd be cranky at times. I was like, well, if I cut down my hours, I won't be so tired. I enjoy going into work more. I'll be able to lean in a bit more. Um, so you'll be more down, productive more when you get there as well. And so I'll be a better doctor yeah. when I'm at work. And suddenly that flipped it. And this part of me just went, huh, so you're going to be a better doctor if you cut your house down. Mm-hmm. And suddenly that part of me went, okay, yeah, I, I can, can, buy, I can buy into that. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly everything was acting in concert. And I was like, made the decision to, you know, to cut my house down and, um, you know, focus on my trading uh, more. And, and it's been the, just the, yeah, it's been the best decision I made. Um, and yeah, but it took such a long time of really honest reflection. Like I'd sit down and I'd write out sort of goals and this and that, and what, you know, what I wanted my life to be and what was important to me. And then it'll be a little part of me somewhere and just going, yeah, there's something not quite right here. And it's funny how, you know, society conditions you to think, oh, I better yeah. write this down. Cause that's, you know, kind of what's expected of me a bit. And it took, took quite a while to go through it, but it was a really worthwhile process. And I feel a lot more comfortable in myself, uh, having done it. And I think um, I think I am a better doctor at work than I was uh, because of that. So you're um, pretty lucky, Jules, in that your purpose with regards from a, from from what you do at work, um, as you said, people need purpose, and and for you, being um, you know the best uh, doctor you can is very important. But it actually goes more than that for you, doesn't it? Um, that you spend a lot of time helping others. Um, grow and certainly talking about the um, the importance of balance within the medical profession because when there isn't balance, there can be catastrophic consequences for that. Uh, absolutely, and you know, and I've experienced those. You know, one of my best friends uh, killed himself about five six years ago, um, and you know, finances is a part of well being. You know, if you structure your finances well to the extent that you don't have to go to work but you go to work because you want to it completely flips your mindset about going to work mm. and in part of my role now as the director of training for all the all the junior doctors you know like this week i've just had 70 brand new doctors first day on the job type thing 
uh, it's a real, it, it's fantastic because, you know, as I said, I've got you on day one of your career. So if I say some stuff to you now, you might remember this and this might shape or mold how you approach your career. And as I'm, I'm not necessarily um, that traditional with some of that stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I do a lot of, yeah, like teaching, trying to teach them, you know, the basics of finances and cash flow and investments and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know anybody else who really does that. Um, a lot of well-being focus and practice and things like gratitude practices and all these other things, which I think are super important because if you don't look after yourself, you know, you, you, what, the, what I say to them is like, if you, if you want to be a really good doctor, you have to look after yourself. It's a really grueling career over a long period of time. If you don't look after yourself, you're going to burn out. Uh, and then, and you cannot treat somebody to the best of your abilities if you yourself are not well. And that goes the same in any any profession or any field. If you don't look after yourself, you're not going to make as good decisions as you can. If you're tired, if you're you know really overweight, if you've got an alcohol problem, you know whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Um, if you're really unhappy, um, you're not you're not going to get the connection with people that you need for whatever business you're in. You're not going to be making good decisions. You're not, um, and you're not going to be enjoying life. And it's it's just so important, uh, and, I, and I say to the guys, yeah, I, I'm not really interested in teaching them medicine per se. I mean, obviously, I do that as well, but I'm interested in teaching them all the other aspects that are involved in becoming a good doctor because most people don't do that. Everyone teaches the medicine and they let the other stuff slide. You know, it's emotional intelligence. It's so important. Most of the success of um, people in high performance endeavors is related to emotional intelligence and not iq everybody yeah. at medical school yeah. has passed that iq band you've got you've got, you've got to i can't say you can be you know thick as two planks and, and get in it's that's not going to help either but everybody's there has, has reached that bar so being a bit more intelligent actually doesn't make a lot of difference but so if you can't talk to somebody that makes a big difference but, but that in itself is 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 such an important point isn't it that that as you said you, you're talking you're talking about a um uh, a, a profession that is highly intelligent earns significant sums of money um, relative to the rest of society, uh, and yet you pointed me towards a research paper that was done on reducing the risk of suicide in the medical profession, which I must say I was quite stunned in some regards because I didn't realise that there was such a strong link between mental health issues, suicide and money within the medical fraternity. When it's just when you think about how as an outsider you view the profession, it, it seems totally disconnected. Mm. Yeah, and I think uh, that when you look at sort of a major stressful events for doctors, uh, finances definitely rank up there, definitely rank up there, um, along with a lot of other work-related things, but then making mistakes is a big one. Um, so how does a doctor and, then, if finances rate up there so highly, Jules, what, what steps do you teach or, or, or show doctors that they can take to ensure that that's not the case? I mean, what are the things? What are the, 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 the crucial tick-offs that they need to? Because it doesn't matter really whether we're talking about the medical profession. We can just be talking about society in general. It's going to overlap Yeah, everywhere. any profession. It doesn't Correct. matter. It's, uh, these are general principles because I'm not a financial advisor, as you know, yep. um, so I don't give investment. You could have been. Uh, <laughs> I could have been, but I looked at that training and it was so shit. <laughs> so I just had to uh, – I, mean, I did actually read. I did actually read it all. And then it was like, oh, I have to do all these assessments. And then, I, you know, I think, I think the bit that I um, – 
um, I, I started to laugh and just thought, yeah, this is a load of rubbish. It was when they um, it said extra resources. You look in the daily papers and stuff um, for commentary on the economy and things. And I was like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, that's like right, me looking, looking in the Herald for, you know, latest <laughs> medical, medical advice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, so... So I make it quite clear that I'm not a financial advisor, um, and what we're talking about is principles. Uh, and so the first principle really is mastering your cash flow, because you can't invest unless you have savings, and you can't have savings if you don't master your cash flow. So I think that's super important to Couldn't get the basics more. right. Um, and usually, just because I'm, I'm talking to you know 50, 100 people or something like that, I'd say, look, if you really want a good basic guide, just go by the Barefoot Investor and just read that. It'll teach you the basics. Um, and at least start with that because it's a simple thing. I say, just go do that and you know start with that. Um, and the other principle is time. I think you need time to have your investments. You need to let them grow. You need to not chop and change and run from one thing to another, which a lot of people go, oh, I haven't made this one, I'm not sure of that, or something goes down a little bit. And, uh, you know, they, oh, man, I've got to sell this. And, it's, uh, you, know, you know, just know what you're trying to achieve and, you know, put it away. I've got some, I've got yep. some shares on DRPs. I, I look at them maybe once a year. Yeah. yeah, not even sometimes. Just it's, it's there. It's a ten-year plan. I don't need to look at it every year. Even you know that's probably too much. So, um, so DRPs are dividend reinvestment plans. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just as that compounding thing, you know, with 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 time. And I know there are tax issues and stuff like that. But it's just you know, again, it's that's just a small part of my overall. It's just easy, isn't it? Sometimes it's just. Yeah. I mean, that's you. You just do. You're just committed, and you just do. Yeah, just do it. And say, okay, I'll, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a sector and. And I'm going to put you know a certain amount of money in that, and then I'm just going to leave it there, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've got 10, 20 years, forty years. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, mm. So yeah, so there's, there's that. But then I also trade you know the one minute chart on future on on, on forex. So you know, it's completely different. But I know, you know there's different different aspects, different goals, different strategies, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but so yes, yeah, so so time is really important. Um, once you, you you master your basics, cash flow. You get some savings in time. Education is just so important. So I do a lot of talk around uh, the economy and you know, exactly what you you do, Jeremy, uh, with yeah. the land cycle yeah. and how the land takes all the gains. And I think that's possibly one of the most important things because a lot of people are out there saying, oh, you know, you need to do your cash flow and savings. And that, there's a lot of that around. But so many people don't get the land cycle Um and once you get once that, you it just get it. Yeah, it just you changes. just can't yeah. stop seeing it everywhere, and you do. And I reckon it probably takes five to seven years before you really start believing, because you see it and you think, "Oh yeah, okay, oh, that kind of makes sense." And then you know, you said, "Oh, well, this is going to happen," and that's going to go. Oh yeah, well, I know you're getting all this noise from the media. Yeah which is usually completely opposite to what's going on, either deliberately or because they're just following the herd or, you know, yep. um, and then yep. you, you, after a while you go, huh, okay, well, Phil Anderson was right there or, you know, you guys were right there. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, uh, and then yeah. you go that way and then you just stop reading the news about it because you just know it's a load of rubbish. That's <laughs> and it, I was and say, you yeah. have the confidence to make up your own mind and start basing some investment decisions on that, usually because you haven't in the past and you've lost money and then you think, oh, if only I'd listened. <laughs> um, you've got to pay for education. Um, and then you, 
I think now I've actually, I think the next stage actually, which I'll probably get into now more so is, is in fact, sometimes you read the news to find out what people are saying so you can do the opposite of it. So yeah, to understand, that's, that's it, to put it in the context. Once you can start to understand the news within the context of, of, of where we are and in, from a cyclical point of view and from a from the driver's point of view, it it mm. uh, certainly, um, it, it just turbocharges your ability to, to understand and, and make confident decisions, doesn't it, Jules? That's right. And, and, you know, it's all about making decisions, I think. It's about, you know, and I teach a lot of this with, the, with my juniors about trying to make good decisions because um, yeah, that's what we have to do at work. But we deal, we, we're dealing with uncertainty at work. You know, medicine mm. is a, uh, an uncertain game. It's a game of incomplete information, just like poker. Um, and so you need to try and, and make decisions. And it can be really hard. And, you know, I found with my uh, Forex trading, it's, I had one trade, I particularly remember, where I made um, – quite a you know quite a significant amount on this trade and when i was reviewing it i was like you know what i'm, I'm not actually sure that i should have got in on that yeah, yeah in terms yeah. of the patterns that i was yeah. trading and it's actually it's really hard because you can sometimes make the right decision and you lose money and that's like hmm, okay that happens um and sometimes you make the wrong decision and make money. I think those are, those are harder to pick up because you they just go, yeah, it made a load of money. Great, cool. But in fact, you know, it was more luck uh, than anything else. And so you need to learn also to be brutally honest with yourself and reflect on things regularly. But you need to have self-compassion. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't have, certainly in the medical profession. Uh, I think we are incredibly harsh to ourselves we say things in our heads to ourselves that we wouldn't dream of saying to other people yeah and i think working on that self-compassion and giving yourself the um the permission to be kind to yourself and you know if you lose some money on something then okay that's fine you know just learn from it don't beat yourself up about it if you do it again exactly the same, then maybe start beating yourself up out of it a bit but learn from it learn, why are you doing that and so as you become more sophisticated as an investor and more experienced, I think you, you start to move into that realm of the personal psychology a lot more. And that's where these goals and values and things are really, really, really important. Because um, the reality yeah. is, is that we're, as investors, as you are as a medical profession, that you're always making decisions based on incomplete information you, you've never got yeah. all the information you can have you can try and get as much as you can but you for example you don't know what the future holds for a, you know for a start so yeah. it's always going to be incomplete so you can only make the best decision you can with the information you have at, the, at that particular point in time yeah because there's a, there's an instrument we talk about in medicine called the retrospectoscope which is when you know you go back to look at a case that went wrong <laughs> I wouldn't mind getting one of them <laughs> yeah it's, it's the most powerful instrument in medicine because it's very easy we would go oh well you know you should do why didn't you do this and he said well I didn't have any of that information at the time you yeah, know correct. I had to make deal then it's very very easy to make decisions um which in, in, or, or think about decisions in, uh, with hindsight and think oh well I, I should have known that you know god I should have bought bitcoin in 2012 I should have known that you know but you um, also have <laughs> like with your retrospectoscope you also have a different um uh, psychological um, view of it as well and a different level of confidence because you know the outcome that you didn't have when you were making that decision. So, you know, things that look very plain and, you know, as plain as day that you should have seen that you didn't see, I mean, it's it's understandable when you when you stop and think about it. You're not making, you're not making decisions with the same information. No, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, if you, if you often, if you, if you take a group of people, a room of people and you say, hey, what was the best decision you made last year? They will pick 
something that had a good outcome. And if you ask them what was the worst decision they made yeah. last year, um, they'll pick a bad outcome. But that's often often erroneous because you know they might have make a really they made might have made a really good decision. It just so happened that the outcome didn't turn out how they wanted. But in fact, with the information they had at the time, it was it was a good decision. You know, um, mm. and it's very it's very hard to work that out. Um, one of one of the ways you can try and do that is to put percentages on things to try and quantify that level of uncertainty and things you know so um, a, a simple thing would be i'm you know you fell over and i uh, and hurt your wrist and i might examine your wrist and i might say well you know i'm i'm 80 sure that that's not broken it's just a sprain but 20 percent is too high a risk for me to go not do an x-ray so i'm going to do an x-ray but i think the balance of probability is that it's you know it's about 80 percent that it's not broken yeah and if i get that x-ray and then um Rather than going, hmm, I don't know, and just getting an X-ray, um, and then if I get that X-ray and it's not broken, the next time I see somebody with a sore wrist, you know, I've got that pattern to build upon, and I can go, oh, last time when I saw Jeremy, you know, mm. I thought it wasn't broken, it wasn't. This time I might go eighty-five percent that it's not broken, yeah. but I'm still going to X-ray because fifteen percent too much. And then over time, I can build it up, and then I get to the point, you know, with experience where I can just go, you know what, that's not broken. You don't need an X-ray. You can go home and feel very confident in that decision because I built that pattern yeah. over time. But it requires an active process. You've got to take cognitive ownership of it. And I think um, you know that's a that's a really good way of, adapt, of of helping yourself make decisions in other areas of your life as well. So you know you know you might think I oh, you know I want to take this trade and maybe you rather just going I, th- I, I think it, because diff- different words mean different things to different people. If I said to you, Jeremy, you know uh, you, you're going to have an operation now, you know there's there's a small chance you could be paralyzed after this operation. Well, what does small mean to you and what does it mean to me? It often means completely different things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas yep. if I say to you there's a 1% chance, well, that means 1%. You know? So you know, every 100 people, one of them is going to end up paralyzed. Jules, um, does now, that whether- not become problematic when looking at property though? Because you know, taking that example of um, clumsy Jeremy falling over and hurting his wrist and coming to see Jules several times and you building up a pattern of um, – um, you know, pattern of events, etc., um, or pattern of outcomes. I mean, when we comes to property, I mean, most people don't transact a lot of properties over their lives, so it's yeah. more difficult to build up that pattern recognition as to what's a what's what's a good property, what's not a good property, what's a good time to buy, when's not a good time to buy. You know, what are good financing options, what aren't good financing options, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I mean, and so exactly, you know, if you if your if your sample equals one, um, that's not a statistically valid sample. Yeah. Um, you know, so yes, it is very much hard, and that's where you need education. So you can call on other people who may have experience, you know, buyers advocates, for instance, um, or somebody who perhaps deals with investment properties who might have a number of clients, so that over time he may have been involved in thirty or forty or fifty properties and. You know who has had a long career as well. I mean, the history books are good. You know, Homer Hoyt and you know yeah. the price of um, land values in Chicago. Fred yeah. Harrison. You know, read around those topics and, and educate yourself so you've got data that you can use, albeit with hindsight. Um, so yes, I think that that is hard, and that's where education is really important. And surrounding yourself with people who are good, who you can trust, uh, and that's the hardest bit trying to find those those people. Um, I mean, a simple rule of thumb. I sort of talk to my juniors. I say, you know, never, never take financial advice from somebody who has less than you. Yeah. Um, because yep. if they if they knew what they were doing, they should have more than you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's so, pretty fair. Uh, yep. Um, but um, oh, I was going to say so. I was going to say something else about um, decision making and uh, and 
finances and, and settle. It'll come back to me in a <laughs> So um, when was it that you realized that um, – uh, investing can and creating wealth for you could have a positive impact on you becoming a really good doctor. When when was the point that you was it? it surely it was before the point where you said, you know, I need to cut down um, because you started oh, God, investing yeah, yeah. much before that. So there, was there a tipping point, or did you just happen to fall into doing a bit of investing, or how did that come about, Jules? So a little bit of both. Um, I think it was more so. Like I started buying property when I was in New Zealand while I was in my training. I didn't um, I didn't buy anything before I moved to New Zealand, which was in 2002. And I'd basically owned, when I met my wife, I think I had like five surfboards and 500 CDs, showing my age there. And, um, <laughs> and I, you know, no property. I didn't have any shares. I mean, I, I, I basically lived sort of hand to mouth. I'd do some extra work if I wanted to go traveling or do something, and then I would spend it, and then I would move to the next bit and so forth. Because I always knew that I could earn ex- do extra shifts to earn money, so that, that was a bit of a luxury. Um, so I didn't have to budget that well. Um, because <laughs> I, <didn't laughs> I was quite tired because budgeted on your hours, really, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Which is there, and in, in hence is the is the problem, isn't it? That you don't work, you don't you don't earn. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we moved to New Zealand, and we bought our house that we lived in, which is lovely. It's one of the best investment decisions I ever made. Although it wasn't made from that point of view, it was made for somewhere to live. Yep. Um, but then also I became aware, and I can't remember quite how it happened, but I, I came across somebody who was talking about using property to create income and, and things. I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. And the fact that you could lever- I could leverage off the house that I bought so it wasn't going to cost me a load of money. And I thought, hmm, okay, well, something for free. That sounds pretty good. Yep. Um, so I had a look at, at some of that. And, then, and so I bought my house in 2003. And I bought an investment property probably back on about the year after or something like that. So, but it, it, it in the, if you look back in terms of the cycle, mm. we're just getting yeah. going into that second half. Yeah. So it's starting to come from everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and so, good timing. Yeah, it was good timing. It was good timing. Um, but then I bought another one and I bought another one and, and things. And the, probably the, the last one was too late in the cycle, really. Uh, but I only did it because I knew I could cover if the mortgage rates went up and things yep. like that. I knew I could cover um, with extra shares, but I had to. Mortgages at one point were 10%, yeah. and I had to do a lot of work to keep uh, all the payments going and stuff, which is fine because I'd, I'd, you know, I'd accounted for that. Um, in retrospect, now I wouldn't have bought that last property, and I would have done something slightly different, and I would have bought different property, but that's fine. And that's I still bought all those properties. Let's they're going on, Jules. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, but not, um, uh, not, not in a like it was about it. It was just like, what would I do? What, how would I learn? It's a learning what experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would I handle um, next time? And then I became a consultant. We moved over to Darwin, and I guess I had a bit more time then because I wasn't studying for exam. I'd done all that. I really was at the peak of my game in terms of knowledge because I'd literally just finished my fellowship exam and things. And I've always enjoyed learning things and doing stuff. And I was like, hmm, okay, now what? Um, and that's the other thing I think no one really told me that for me it was always the thing you get to be a consultant that's you know, like you made it that's the, that's your career but so I got there um, age like 40 41 which is even a bit slow by a lot of standards because I'd spent time doing a whole lot of other things as well and so I'm like oh mm. I've got like 30 years what am I going to do now mm, <laughs> so yeah, I started yeah. looking around and I started getting involved in a few bits and pieces and I came across uh, Phil Anderson 
and started reading that. And I found, I found that very interesting. And then I it gradually sort of, as I said, you know, over about you know, four or five years, I was like, oh, okay, now I get, I think I get this. And then I think I came across you guys as well when we ended up moving down here to, um, to New South Wales. And, yeah. um, and it built from there. And then it started, it's funny how things dovetail a little bit because then my roles changed slightly at work and I became director of training involved in teaching and things. And, and I found a lot of stuff that I was learning from the investment world was applicable in medicine and vice versa. Yeah. Um, a lot yeah. of the psychology. I think that's why, that's why the, we see the changes we do in the markets because human psychology has not changed. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, the investment vehicles and the technology and all that sort of stuff yep. changes, but yep. the underlying psychology doesn't change. And Couldn't so it's really more. helpful to know that. And I think that's why it's so important to look at your own psychology and work out your values and goals. You know, we keep harping on about this. But if you don't do that, you're really at the the, the mercy of the groupthink and the, and, and the, the, the whole... Uh, the whole market sort of dynamics because you're just chasing something that's maybe external to you or, and, and it, that's really, you need to, you need to guard against that. So, so that's sort of how I came into some of that. And obviously I type A and things. So I took it to the extreme <laughs> trading professionally as a Forex trader as well in my, in, in, in my other hours off and things. And yes, uh, you've got to do something while you're sleeping. And, you know, don't you, load of property and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I have, I have, I have specific goals and they're written out and they're, you know, one, three, five, 10 year goals and, uh, and so forth to create that income. And are it, they monetary? Can I ask, are they monetary? monetary based goals or are they more lifestyle based goals no they're, they're, they're value based goals which the money will allow me to achieve the things that i want to do so i'm one of one of the things that uh, you know one of the exercises that i do with people and things is say you know what if you could have anything what is it that you want and so you write out that thing so it might be you know i you know i want 10 million bucks or whatever you know and you say okay if you got that what will that give you yeah and yeah. so then you go, okay, well, that would give me, I can buy, I can buy four I Ferraris know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I can buy, I can, I can buy you know, 10 properties that are going to pay me a thousand dollars a week. So therefore yeah. I'm going to have income $10,000 a week. Okay, great. Cool. If you get that, what will that give you? Yeah. Oh, well, that means I've got time to do what I want. Okay. Well, if you get that, what will that give you? And you just keep going back underlying, you know, or it might be, you know, I, that will mean that, um, you know, I can build up a range of investments for my kids and all my family. And with that, well, if you get that, what will that give you? And he said, well, that gives me security. Okay, mm. what does that give you? Well, that gives me a sense of peace. And, ah, okay, so what you really want is you're looking for peace. <laughs> you know, yeah. you've got to yeah. go yeah. back and find those underlying right drivers. And it, it, it drill right down. And it takes a while, and, it, and, it, you know, and things can change over time as well. As soon as you go through different stages of life, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the thing is just to be aware of it. So you're not then chasing uh, a different dream. So we um, hear a lot of people you know, who do make a lot of money in property that, that they live a story of excess. Um, I was going to ask the question, how much is enough? But maybe the better question would be, is does excess come from when you don't have your goals um, uh, aligned? And so, you know, your goal of continuing mm-hmm. to invest isn't aligned to a particular outcome? Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, I think that excess comes because people are searching for something. They're trying to fill a, uh, a need or a hole, and they try to do it the wrong way. So they never get there. So they keep going, uh, and eventually they usually blow up. 
Um, but I think, you know, that's why we go back to the whole thing. You know, are, are they really happy? And uh, I was talking to a, a, a guy who used to work for a family office um, or a firm that managed family offices, so billionaires. Yep. And he said in the time that he was there managing these accounts, he never met one person that was happy who, from those family offices, which I thought was incredibly telling. That's um, pretty sad, had billions, all of them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, if if money could buy you happiness, everyone would just go and buy it. It doesn't work. Um, mm. and, that, you know, that, and that's, again, that's one of the things that I, 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 I do with my, uh, my juniors on day one of their career. Uh, I, I quite like Stoic philosophy and um, some of the sort of things of that. And the Stoic epithets, which is, uh, you know, I say to them, okay, congratulations, you've made it. It's day one. Now, I want you to fast forward to your retirement due in you know, like 40 years. And I want you to think about what kind of doctor you want to be remembered as. You know, yeah. and I don't mean as a surgeon on this side, but what, how do you want people to talk about you? Yeah. And I want you to come up with three or four or five characters or values or something that you want to be remembered as. And I want you to write them down and we'll talk about them when you come for you know, your term meetings and things. But the idea is you stick them on the fridge or on your phone or something. So you can look at them regularly and say, well, how did I do today? Um, you know, and if, if your thing is to be kind, um, you know, you say, well, I was a grumpy bastard. Well, mm. why was that? You know, yeah. and there's, there's two reasons for this. So firstly, if you want to know where you, if you want to know where you go, or if you want to get to where you're going, you've mm. got to know where you're going in the first place. So if you give some active thought to that, you've got a much higher chance of getting there. And there's, there's a lot of um, you know, studies from Harvard and places that, where they look to people who write down their goals and they're far more likely to achieve them um, if, the, if you write them down. And it's you just staggering how few people do though, Jules. Yeah, it's, they yeah, just absolutely. You know, want to create some wealth, so they just start. Yeah, mm. and they don't give a proper thought as to why. I want some money. You know, I had exactly Correct. that conversation with somebody when I was doing uh, working up in Alice Springs, and, and uh, I was um, I was looking as I'm reading something. And she said, "Oh, you know, how do you do a talk at that, that financial thing at that um, well-being conference?" She said, hey, "I really want to, you know, do some trading and this and that." And I said, "Okay, yeah, why? What do you want to do?" What's, what's your goal? Oh, I want lots of money. I said, that's not a goal. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that, well, it is, but it's it's just so non-specific that yeah. it's irrelevant. I said, you need to go away and sit down and come back and we can talk about it, but I want you to go and do this, that, and the other. But so, so partly there's a thing, if you, yeah, if you want to know where you're going, uh, sorry, if you want to get to, to where somewhere, you've got to know where you're going. Yeah. So working out the end point is really useful. The other thing is that in terms of a well-being thing, if you – uh, have your v- underlying values of what their ideal behaviors that you're talking about, say, you know, kindness, compassion, or whatever those things that people tend to come up with, I mean, being um, a great teacher or something like that. Those are ideal behaviors. So they're a really good marker for well being as well. And this doesn't matter whether you're doing medicine or anything, you know. So if you, if you think, well, this is the sort of person that I want to be and what I want to be remembered as, then if you're reflecting on those and you come across, oh, actually, today I was a grumpy bastard. And I wasn't kind and I didn't have time. Well, why? Oh, because I've been working really hard and, you know, or my, you know, my wife and I have had an argument because of this and that and la, la, la. Well, maybe, maybe you need to refocus your priorities and, and, and look at things. So it can be a really good early wake-up call for things are getting out of balance. And so as you veer slightly off course, you can pull yourself back again. And I think that's a really important part of things as well. So I would encourage everybody to work, work out. You know, nobody, nobody really, I think, wants – someone at their funeral to go, oh, yeah, well, he had a great, uh, you know, he had a lovely, lovely Aston Martin. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, they're they're going to talk he about wore lovely shoes. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so not there's anything wrong with having an Aston Martin, and I, I would love to have an Aston Martin, but it's just not a priority for me compared to some of the other things I would rather have. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, my son asked me that the other day. He said, Daddy, because um, we were looking at some cryptocurrency stuff, and he was like, Daddy, how much money would you have to earn to buy a Lambo? <laughs> and uh, and I was like, oh, well, I said, well, how much is a Lambo then? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a half a million dollars. And I said, well, they put a Lambo on the barbecue. <laughs> yeah, how much? How much? You, how much you? Uh, how much do you think I'd have to earn to buy to justify buying a Lambo? And he's like, oh, probably like ten million, and maybe not even that because you could buy a house with that money. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I said, yeah, I might go and rent one for a day for a laugh. That's different, you know. <laughs> Uh, but you know that's yeah it's different things for different people but i think the, working out your values and, and your goals is just so important because everything has to come from that um, and, and then how do you balance jules the delayed gratification as well because you know as we said you know property is not a not a get rich quick um asset class you know we need some time so there's going to be some you know level of delayed gratification that occurs how, how do we balance that well, I think it, you, you have to um, you have to again go back to your values and goals, and we'll have it as part of an investment plan, so that you maybe have some shorter term investments that will give you what you need out of the shorter time frames. And yeah. I mean, for me, property property is the end game for me. So you know, I might be trading the one minute chart on the euro dollar, um, but the profits from that eventually are going to flow into property. Because property is the end game; it's a great store of wealth. They're not making any more land, you know. So we, we my, refer to it, Jules, as a um, as part of a foundation portfolio. That yeah. um, you know, it's it's the it's the core that 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 you know can the core asset class that that can create a whole lot of you know income and and hence time and and enable you to make a whole mm-hmm. lot of decisions etc that um yep. yeah it's it, and store of value absolutely. And, and everything like that yeah absolutely um so i think it's just knowing the place that it fits into again you know you could you could use property in a much shorter time frame if you wanted to go and do sort of flipping something or developing mm. something you know that's that's a possibility but that requires a specific skill set um it requires um, more time and more focus time doesn't it yeah. because you've got to be involved in it and then usually and, and and so forth and and so again i think uh, going back to the to the what are you trying to achieve People who get themselves into trouble in those situations perhaps say, well, I'm going to buy this thing and I'm going to do it up and then I'm going to sell it quickly. And, you know, and they're trying to work full time and suddenly, you know, everything blows out and the tradies don't turn up and, you know, and and they get into trouble as opposed to, you know what, I'm actually going to take 10 years to do this and I'm going to buy something which, oh, because I'm buying at the right point in the cycle. And you can use the cycle to, you know, speed things as well, because if you buy at the beginning of the cycle, you know, you can expect some significant gains if you buy at the end of the cycle then, or, you know, even sort of just before the witness class, it's going to take longer for your property to get to where you want it to be. Um, yeah, so you, you can be saying, about that. You can buy where other people are, um, you know, building infrastructure that's going to build back to your land value as well. So let them yeah, do exactly. the, uh, the developing and... Yeah, and you can use, the, you know, the tax breaks and things like that for um, for stuff like that. Uh, to, to, to sort of maximise your gains. I mean, it's really important to do that because you, a number of people buy property um, without fully understanding what they're getting into. Again, it's the whole education thing, mm. surrounding yourself with good people. So you've got, you get the tax right. Cause if you get that wrong, 
Yeah, it's going to cost you yeah. tens of thousands. Yeah, correct. It can even turn a profitable yeah. investment into an unprofitable yeah, investment. Absolutely. Getting the structure right and the financing right, it's it, it's crucial. Crucial. And Get again, it, right it takes and, time. Yeah. It takes and time. Knowledge. It is, yep. Knowledge, time, effort. Mm. Um, and a lot of people, again, most people will buy an investment property near where they live. Mm. Yeah. Yep. You know? um, yeah. And whilst probably my t- two best investments um, in terms of total value being the two houses I bought to live in, uh, I don't own any investment properties close to where I live. Uh, yeah. They're all elsewhere, um, which yeah. spreads the risk and, uh, and things. Um, probably Bitcoin, Bitcoin is still my best investment probably in terms of, um, in terms of percentage <laughs> gain. Return, yeah. but, um, but in terms of total monetary value, the two properties that I've lived in. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't buying them. From that point of view, they've turned it. They're turning into that, but that, that's and that's fine. And know. I'm having a guess too, Jules, that they're probably some of the uh, the assets you've held the longest. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Um, allow the compounding my, to occur. Yeah, yeah, the house in New Zealand is the thing that I have owned the longest. I bought that in 2003. Um, this house we're in now, I bought in 2012, which was perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I could afford to buy it now. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, they, they take time. And, and and that and again a set and forget things as well. So they might take time, but they shouldn't take up a lot of your time. There's a big difference between those two things as well. Um, you know, so yeah, just leave them, let them do their thing. Two thousand and three, two Jules, that was just before the America's Cup, wasn't it? Oh yeah, there was so much infrastructure and stuff going in there and uh, pro- that just super super fired up the property market in Auckland. Um, yeah. because you had all these billionaires coming in and there's just a huge amount of money coming in. And a property you know, internationally then was, was was still really cheap in New Zealand. Um, so, yeah, it, it, there was a, that was a really good time. Uh, and, the, and New Zealand has won the America's Cup again. So um, I'm looking forward to the next part of the cycle because it's going to be in the second. It's, it's actually it's 20 years later, so it's the second half of the cycle <laughs> and it's coming back again, you know, and it, it's great. Bigger and Auckland better. needed it. Yeah. Yeah, Auckland needed it because the downtown thing was just a working fish port type thing, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. container port. And uh, now it's, there's great bars and restaurants and it's a really cool place to hang out. And, it, yeah, it's really it's really come of age. So going back to work, Jules, what's um what's your biggest challenge um, that you face right now and how are you going to overcome it? Um, for me personally, or you think you mean more for my speciality or well, like my job? Well, all of the above. So you personally, and also I'm thinking very much with regards to the new interns that you have um, that are, um, you know, under your wing, so to speak. Um. Still time, <laughs> never yeah. enough bloody time. Um, no, there's still time. Um, I have you know, one day a week uh, to, to focus on the, the interns and things, and so I, I, you know, I would like a bit more time uh, to be able to, to work one on one. I mean, it will get to get onto the wards a bit more with them and, and do some other other stuff. So, um, I, again, it's sort of my one of one of one of the things that I want to do is I, I'd love to be in the situation, and I'm getting there, and it, I don't think it'll take too much longer. But I'm getting to the point where you know it'd be nice for me to be able to go to work and say, you know what, I'm not going to do evening shifts if I don't want to anymore, but I am going to come in and do teaching shifts and things. And you, you don't have to pay me for those because I've got enough of an income anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I can do, start to do it all on my own terms. Mm-hmm. Um, start to. Then, then, then the little frustrations of the day-to-day jobs you know, are not there so much. I can focus on the things I really enjoy. I can pass on a lot of the experience and things that I think are important. 
um, do the fun stuff with um, with the pa- you know with patients and things uh, things that are interesting. Uh, that that would be that would be nice. Uh, we'll get we'll get into that point. Uh, but time is a big problem because medicine, we're so busy at work, we're getting slammed um, yeah. day after day after day. It's getting busier and busier every year. The population growth up here is is, is amazing. Um, People just seem to and, keep getting sick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we got a new department a couple of years ago and became 10 to 15% busier almost immediately. Uh, and, and that's a well-documented phenomenon. I don't know why and I don't know how, um, but you build it and they will come. And um <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, so so time 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 is still a big thing, um, and and trying to again be the best. Like in the past, the being the best doctor that I could be was more about acquiring the technical skills and the knowledge, and now it's more of a uh, compassion and teaching and sort of behavioural kind of thing. Because I have the technique, I have the knowledge, and I have the technique um, technical skills now. Obviously, I have to stay on top of those, but that's. Um, that's okay because you know I spent so much time doing that before that it doesn't require lots and lots of effort to stay on top of it. You just need to just keep that ticking over. Yeah. Um, and the problem is that when you get stressed, when you get really busy, those are all the things that yeah provoke you to behaving in less than an ideal fashion or cause the stress uh, and things. And so um, that's it's it, that's the thing to sort of try and try and work out how to manage all those things. And it's a bit like the same with investing or trading and stuff. You've got to have a really good mindset to be doing that. You don't want to be making investment decisions and things or important decisions about investments and things. If you, if you're not uh, in a good space yeah. mentally, yeah. if you're really busy, if you're really stressed, if you're going through a divorce, you know, you <laughs> don't be making big decisions. And I often say to, you know, some of my juniors are, are struggling with that. Some of them don't want to decide they don't want to do medicine. You know, maybe they're pushed into their, their parents. It's not, yeah. They thought it was. Yep. I said, look, I'm not going to try and persuade you to be a doctor. I just want you to make the best decision that's right for you. Yeah, Currently, your head's not in the right space for that. So I'm just saying, let's just take a step back and let's, you know, get through this moment. And then we can talk about some of that later. And let's leave all our options open because the more options you have, the more likely you are, I think, to make a better decision. If you've only got one or two options, you've got very limited options, uh, very, you know, and the decisions that you can make are, are, are constrained. And I think, that's that's the other thing that, in, that, that investing well over time and what property can allow you to do is it can give you a lot of options. Well, that's so, – I mean, uh, property is a very forgiving asset class as well. So um, – and, and you don't have to be forced into making quick decisions with property, which I think works in investors' favours as well, that they can yeah. take their time and, and think things through a little bit. And, and obviously that means yeah. that uh, by definition, the asset class well, moves a bit slower. And yeah, and especially for investment property, I mean, it's slightly different if you're trying to find somewhere to live and you yeah. you, know, you see a house yeah. that you love. Yeah. That's, that's different. But if it's investment property, it's a numbers game. There's yeah. always going to be another deal around the corner. So it, yeah, it really doesn't matter. And you can wait. You know, it should never feel pressured into thinking, oh, I've got to do this now. Um, because there's always another deal around the corner. So you mentioned stress and, you know, um, being, you know, people being making poor decisions, et cetera, um, and being put in crazy environments. Um, what's the craziest thing you've seen in an emergency department? And before you answer that, Jules, I'm going to come back and let people know how fast they need to fast forward in this episode, because if you're like me and you don't like the garden gore too much, then I've got the feeling something like that might come out here, you can fast forward yeah. this little answer. So what, what, what do you see? What's, what's the craziest stuff that you've seen in an emergency department? 
Oh, it, it varies in different things. Um, you always see some crazy stuff in Alice Springs, and that's why I love going there. The medicine there is incredible, and you've got really good facilities, so it's it's unusual. Uh, there's only a few places in the world like that. Normally, to see the really crazy uh, medical uh, stuff, you're in a third world environment without good resources. But in Alice, you see a lot of a lot of um, amazing medicine, but you've got good resources. Um, so if you know, even now after 30 years. I'm going up to Alice in a couple of weeks, COVID willing. Um, if in those two weeks I don't see something I've never seen before in my life, I'll be disappointed, um, even after 30 years. Yeah, so, wow. Uh, yeah, no, it's really cool. I love going up there. Um, and So that's a sample size so of that. one. <laughs> yeah, what's that? <laughs> a sample size of one for you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, re- repeatedly <laughs> different ones. Um, uh, and and th- some rare stuff like I think the last four times I've been up there I've seen Sydenham's chorea, which is a rare neurological manifestation of rheumatic heart disease, um, which you just shouldn't see in a country like this. <laughs> and, you know, I've seen it four times in the last twelve times I've been up there. Normally you'd have to go to India, or Africa, or something to see that, um, but no, not 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 in Australia um, because our you know some of the um, um, the health issues uh, in parts of Australia are just unbelievable. Uh, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, other things. So, I mean, there's some stuff you see, which is just funny. And you just think, Oh my God, how did you do that? Um, <laughs> and then there's stuff which is tragic, um, as well. I mean, yeah, I worked in Joburg in the trauma unit for, for a year. So I saw quite a lot of, uh, things there, you know, someone hit by a truck. That's, uh, uh, yeah. I haven't seen many injuries like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of them over the years. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, I don't know. I won't get into it. It would be pretty gruesome. A lot of it. So um, I yeah. just take my hat off to what you do, Jules. I I certainly couldn't do it. So thank you. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a very re- rewarding job, but it is a tough job um, and a hard job over a long period of time. And that's why looking after yourself is so important and that's why I, I tell my juniors that sorting out your finances is so important so that if you want to cut down your hours if you get sick or you know family member gets sick or something like that you have the option to then say you know what I'm going to pull back a little bit and concentrate on this other aspect of my life which is really important um, and if you can't do that then you really run the risk of burnout mental health issues or something like that and so surrounding yourself with good people, getting good investment advice and educating yourself is vitally important to having a really long, sustaining, healthy career. Yeah. 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 You know, and that's why, that's why I recommend to my juniors that they, you know, log on to your website and then join the investment club just to start educating themselves. You know, they haven't got money to invest yet. So it doesn't matter. Spend a couple of years in educating yourself so that when you do, you're ready and you've got an idea. Um, couldn't agree more, Jules. I mean, getting yourself, um, you know, in the zone. Um, as you said, you know, the most important thing is to, you know, understand what your goals are, make sure your, your goals and objectives are aligned to your, your investment strategy, you know, controlling your cash flow. I mean, the quicker you can start to get that under control, the better. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, Jules living out the back of a, uh, a van with your CDs and surfboards or whether you are, um, you know, a, uh, a, um, uh, a consultant, um, you know, with um, a whole swag of international properties. I mean, at the end of the day, we all need to be able to control our cash flow to ensure that we can, you know, live within our means. Um, and mm. that means putting some money aside for for investing. 
um, having the time, as you said, to both devote to some um, uh, to to reviewing and and getting involved with you, with your with your investments as as well as allowing those investments to actually um, you know, compound from a monetary point of view is is super important. Uh, and the education, um, you know, it's, you, if we don't, if you don't educate yourself, then you leave yourself exposed to being taken advantage of um, by yeah, um, totally. the predatory parts of the um, investment um, uh, industry. I, I, I would say so. You know, you've got to. You don't have to know everything about everything, but you certainly need to have a level of financial education to ensure that you can, um, you know, make some good decisions, don't you? Absolutely. And, you know, it's, a, it's an old cliche, but, oh, God, I wish um, I, when I was a junior doctor, I knew what I know now. <laughs> um, <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah. We hear that a bit, don't we? we um, yeah, we do. Um, but that's, uh, that's also, you know, it's a good thing because I can try and pass on that knowledge. Um, because I think, again, a, a print, some of the principles are fairly timeless because they deal with psychology and personalities and things, and those those things don't really change over time. You know, it takes a long time to, for, for that to change over evolution and things. So, um, yeah, pass it on to my kids. They can pass it on to their kids and, and so forth. Absolutely. Jules, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Some one last thought or a reminder about anything else? Or are you pretty happy that you've covered everything off that you um, – uh, think that um, you'd like to share with listeners? No, I think um, I think it, we've covered most of it. I mean, you could keep talking about this for ages. Oh, if exactly right. You're interested. I guess the one thing I, I, I could do is perhaps yeah. And I've got a number of um, books on things like you know the value or going through that parts negotiation and values and all those things. If people are interested, we could always put a, a, a link up to that on the website or something. Yeah, like right. Well, that'd be fantastic. Um, I'll, that'd um, be great, to, Jules. We'll put that in the show notes. So we'll put a link in the show notes for, uh, for anyone, um, for some materials. Cause I mean, it's super important stuff. It's, it's so often overlooked. And I guess today's episode has been a little bit different to what we've previously done, but, um, it, it is so important to get the psychology right and, and to understand the psychology behind your own goals and, you know, your own investing. If, if you can get that under yeah. control, then it makes life a whole lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah, and and if you get that right, to be honest, it'll 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 give you uh, a, a much greater feeling of maybe happiness isn't the right word, but perhaps contentment, satisfaction. Um, you'd be in a much better place, I think, if you get that right. Um, and I think that's that's pretty much what it's all about, really. Um, so. Yeah, we we could definitely put up some of that stuff, and I mean, and there's books in there on things like you know how to make better decisions and dealing with uncertainty and things like that. So um, it's a whole load, a whole range of stuff because it's all tied together. Yeah, yeah, um, and the quicker you can, the quicker you can um, uh, get on top of it and understand and accept it, then you know the quicker and the better the outcome you'll be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you don't have to agree with it all. You don't have to. Like when I go through the whole lot of well-being practices with my juniors, I say, look, you don't have to do all of these. Just pick the ones that resonate with you. Uh, and that's the same for investments and things as well. You know, if you if your risk profile is different to mine and you have different beliefs to mine, you're not going to be able to trade and invest like I do. It's not going to feel comfortable. And you'll end up either blowing up your account or not taking advantage of it or something like that. So it's 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 really important to try and work out what, what does suit you because that will dictate to an extent how you structure your investments and you know, what, uh, where, where, where you're going in, in life. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be a lot. If you get that wrong, 
It's got to be aligned to belief systems, doesn't it? Totally, yeah, yeah. It's like Van says, Van Tharp says, you know, you don't trade the markets, you trade your beliefs about the markets. Um, Investing is pretty much about that too, is that, um, yeah, it's – yeah, if you don't don't have it all aligned, then you know you'll be you'll be you'll be cont- continually battling against yourself, which is more different, the more difficult than the property market. Yeah, well, and you'll lose, and, and it'll also limit to how far <laughs> you can get. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the reason why you know most investors you know struggle to get past one property, let alone two. The amount yeah. of investors that get past four or five, um, you know, it's very rare. So, and um, that's got a lot to do with. Um, you know their own uh, belief systems and uh, and you know not being aligned with with their actual goals and objectives. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's like a friend of mine. Uh, oh, we'll be back in June, July, something like that. You know, we were talking about stuff, and he said, "Oh, what do you think about cryptos?" And I said, "Can I?" Say? And as I don't normally give um, financial advice, but this was more for a friend. I said, "I have bought quite a lot of things now," and I said, "I think it's sitting at this level now, about nine thousand US." And I've just put quite a bit in, and I thoroughly recommend that you put some in. Now, what? How much? You, and he had he had some funds. The thing that he was thinking about trying to invest. And he said, "What do you think about this, that, and the other?" And I said, "Well, you could do whatever. You've got to work it out. What you what do you want? What do you think?" And I said, I said, "My own personal thing. I would recommend that you would put a percentage of this into Bitcoin." Um, and we talked about it, and he got as far as setting up an account. I showed him how to do that and everything else. And I spoke to him the other day when it was sitting at 40000 I said, how much Bitcoin did you buy? And he goes, oh, yeah, I haven't got around to it yet. Um, and um, and that, I think it's just, again, it's the belief systems, you know, and what he's comfortable with. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely um, you correct. Know, but um, he also needs to... Uh, accept that as well and not then spend time going, oh god i should have done this and beating yeah, myself up because that's not that's not productive and use either you know uh so so yeah but it, if if you don't believe i can tell you the best trade in the world but if your belief systems don't follow mine you're not going to be able to take it or trade that's why people can't usually trade systems that they buy because they're built on even profitable ones and the studies that show that people have bought uh trading systems that have been shown to make money the majority of people cannot uh, trade them successfully because they don't resonate with their underlying beliefs or they don't understand the underlying beliefs so they can't take the trades. Um, so, Jules, yeah, I reckon we might it, wrap it up that. there. And but part of the reason I say that is because I'd love to have you back to talk about the investing side of things. So we've concentrated very much on um, on the, the psychology side of things today. Um, but there's a mm. whole nother side to Jules Wilcox, um, international <laughs> property baron, let's call you. Um, <laughs> and but also it goes a bit further than that with regards to you know you you you've got your foundation portfolio, which has now enabled you to invest and do other things, you know, in a peripheral nature as well. That mm. um, it's important how that layers as well. So it's a that that I'm sure would be a fantastic discussion to have um, at some point with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now that would be fun. We should definitely do that. Well, Jules, you'll definitely have you back as um, as a guest again. So, I'd like to say thanks for joining me, um, and I do sincerely, you know, wish you the best with regards to um, your new uh, flock of interns. What do you call a group of interns? What are they? A flock? Are they a mob? Are they? What do we refer oh, to them as? I a group? don't know. We usually say there's like a density of radiologists and a collection of surgeons. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure. I'll have to ask them what they would like to be referred to. 
but and then call them something else. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly with regards to the work you're doing, um, you know, on the uh, mindfulness and, um, you know, the, the reduction of um, of issues, suicide and, and other personal issues that um, are prevalent within the medical profession, I do take my hat off to you. And it's great, A, that it's being acknowledged and, and B, that, um, you know, resources and people like yourself are, you know, spending a lot of time education-wise, et cetera, trying to, you know, spread not just the message but also some education to help um, – uh, address some of the issues that uh, that are there are out there in in a profession that you know as an outsider looking in we think is pretty privileged um, but I guess it goes to show that at the end of the day it's just a, another cross section of society isn't it yeah I, mean, I think it is we are privileged but um, in several ways but it is hard and um, unfortunately the culture can be toxic as well and that's a, that's the other thing you know I'd really like to try and change the culture. Um, to make it better so that so that we are well and that will improve patient care and there's a lot of evidence that shows that as well so i think it's i think it's really worthwhile and it's worth spending some some time on and that would also go no matter what it what no matter what um profession you're in you know if you can if you can focus on some well-being and some on on uh, good communication and you know, kindness and all, all these things, gratitude practices and stuff, it improves everything across the board. So it's, it's definitely worth spending a bit of time on. Jules Wilcox, thank you for joining me today. Um, I'll leave some couple of uh, notes in the show notes uh, to some resources. Uh, if you want to send those through, Jules, that'd be fantastic. And I'll, as I said, I'll make them available in the show notes. To everyone who's out there, thanks for listening. Um, I've been your host, Jeremy Cowan. Of course, don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about us. You've been listening to Property Australia's favourite obsession. And until next time, let's keep obsessing about property. Jeremy Cowan and Cowan and Flack Proprietary Limited are authorised representatives of PGW Financial Services, Proprietary Limited. AFSL. 384713. Any opinions or recommendations expressed should be considered general in nature, as they do not consider your personal objectives or financial circumstances. You should therefore consider these matters yourself before deciding whether the advice is appropriate to you and if you should act upon it. Should advice be sought, please seek an appropriately qualified advisor. Investing may not be appropriate for everyone, as there is inherent risk and the possibility of loss when investing in financial assets, just as there is the possibility of profits. While useful for identifying patterns, history and past performance do not guarantee future performance.